following contest is scheduled for one boy KJ and welcome back to the Roped In Podcast ladies and gentlemen. I am joined by one of my close friends Kenny McIntosh. A lot of you know who Kenny is. Uh, he is a, uh, a quite a popular YouTuber. He's a quite a popular podcaster. He has um, run a lot of shows um, in the UK. He's done shows in the US with famous wrestling stars um he still does the live shows obviously with this virus stuff he's not been able to but he's he's done shows with mick foley with edge the undertaker uh bret hart jr paul Heyman. i mean the list just goes on and on and he's one of my really really close friends and i'm i'm so happy to be bringing this podcast to you obviously i wanted him to come i wanted him to come for the wrestlemania podcast and uh he you know he was he was more than happy to do it so um thank you very much kenny for doing this and uh yeah i don't want to keep you guys on the edge for too much longer uh wrestlemania the second night is going to take place in about three hours from now so i want to take a nap but uh, we we had a lot of fun talking about uh, the matches uh there's some things that kenny liked some things uh, that i liked but we didn't agree on everything but, uh, I mean, we had our opinions, and, you know, like every wrestling fan should, you know, you, you have your opinions, and you enjoy what you enjoy. And that's what happened between Kenny and I. And we, we discussed a lot of things, and we came to really interesting conclusions. And, you know, I mean, we sort of thought outside the box. So it was, it was you know, really interesting thinking of, of certain, I guess, angles that took place at WrestleMania in, in a very different way that we both sort of you know, came together to, to conclude to. So, uh, again, it, it's an it's over an hour long, so I hope you enjoy. And there will be a part two tomorrow, which we cover WrestleMania the second night, where we will do your questions. So make sure you send in your questions. I'll put out a tweet right after I post this podcast. And, uh, yeah, send in your questions for night one and two, and Kenny and I will be more than happy to answer them. So uh, here's Kenny McIntosh with day one of WrestleMania 30. Six. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome back. I am joined by the Big Mac himself, Kenny McIntosh, the Vince McMahon of Europe, the only man I ever have McDonald's with. Hey Kenny. Hello, I'm glad that you finally have got enough sponsors that you can afford to have me on the show. Congratulations. (laughs) Yes. Finally, it only took me three years of of begging, pleading, and sucking a lot of dick. So, yeah. There's a visual to send us all into (laughs) the middle of next week. (laughs) I just wanted to start the podcast off the right way, you know. So, uh, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for for being on. Kenny, for the the one guy who might have accidentally clicked on my podcast who has no idea who, who I am or who you are. Uh, can you can you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself? Like, when did you start watching wrestling? Sure. Um, so I, when I was like five years old, my mum's friend had bought me like a toy wrestling ring, like a Hasbro wrestling ring, and I had no idea what it was. So, uh-huh. but it looked cool. So my mum bought me a couple of Hasbro figures. I think she bought me like Akeem, Andre the Giant, and Hulk Hogan. 
and then mm-hmm. like I got a VHS, and then it just kind of spiraled from there. So, um, yeah, so I've I've, I've kind of watched this. Then I like sports entertainment style wrestling, I like WWE and WCW and AEW stuff. Um, I just I've never really been able to get into Japanese wrestling. I know it's mm-hmm. like Japanese wrestling is kind of like Daniel Day Lewis. Like I get I get it. I just don't like it. Right, right. So you you like you like the spectacle, you like the character work, you like that more than I guess the in ring stuff that uh, I guess Japan is heavily favoring, right? Yeah, I just I'm more like a character based person than more more character based than 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 just in ring. But like if the character is really good, then the in ring that enhances it. So, um, I mean. I'm I'm fairly old, so I mean I I was quite lucky because I was born in '85, so I started watching in like '91, '92. So I kind of mm-hmm. got the new generation: Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Owen Hart, Diesel, Sid era, and then I also got the Attitude era. So I kind of grew up th- through two different eras of wrestling, which was fun. That's fantastic. I mean, those are those are some of the the best days of of professional wrestling when it was, you know, absolutely thriving. I guess you know uh, off. Off the heels of the Bruno San Martino era with Hulk Hogan bringing in to, to everyone's houses all over the world. I guess that, that was, I guess, probably the best time to be a wrestling fan, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, because the, 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 big, the big boom in the UK was obviously like when the Bulldog headlined SummerSlam in 92. Like, WBF was huge in 92, 93. Like, I was trying to look back on like when I first went to a wrestling show and, like, there was two separate WWF tours in 1992 run the UK where like each each roster did a night in Glasgow and a night in Birmingham and a night in Newcastle like two nights mm. apart. So that's how popular it was. They were they were filling like arenas with ten thousand people twice, a couple wow. of times a year. So wow, wow! I would kill to to have been a wrestling fan at that time. Uh, I was unfortunately in 1991. I was two years old. So yeah. Um, Always rubbing. <laughs> well, you were like what seven, so you were you were pretty young as well. Yeah, right? I was I was young. Seven. I'm trying I'm trying to I'm trying to to not make any sort of dirty jokes because immediately my mind went into like grooming jokes, and it's just not the way you should go oh on a WrestleMania <laughs> podcast. So I'm gonna I'm gonna refrain. So uh, Kenny, going into the first night, uh, I'm not sure how many matches you knew were gonna be. Did you know what matches we were gonna see on on the first night? I only knew when I watched the pre-show, and they kind of told you what the matches were gonna be. So mm-hmm. okay, um, so what, what what match were you looking forward to the most? Uh, I was looking forward the most to well of the ma- I had like a bunch of matches that I was looking forward to of the whole card. Um, uh-huh. The ones that happened in night one, that I was looking forward to. Were the Boneyard match, to be brutally honest, I thought the Boneyard match was going to be absolute garbage. So I was kind of here for the hot mess that it was going to be, um, right. which it was not. And mm-hmm. Becky and Shayna, uh, I was really up for that. Uh, and then mm-hmm. I was kind of curious to see what they were going to do with Goldberg and Strowman. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the ones in the first night of the matches that ended up being the first night that I was into. Okay, fantastic. So, uh, why don't we just jump straight into the the card itself? Uh, the pre-show had Cesaro defeating Drew Gulak. I don't even know why that match took place, or why it even happened. Why they decided to put it on WrestleMania at all? But it did. Uh, four minutes, twenty-five second match. Do you have anything to say about that? Um, I mean, Cesaro. Well, first of all, Drew Gulak has has anyone made a better choice to shave their head since you did it? From Drew Gulak. <laughs> Uh, like, Baron Corbin. 
Yes, Bar- that's true, Baron Corbin. That's yeah, but I mean, mm. Drew Gillett looks great with the, sh- the, sh- the shaved head. Um, yeah. The airplane spin without the hands for the finish for Cesaro that looked sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was glad. It, I was glad it was kind of short because like there wasn't a lot of story. There are obviously the side players and the Sami Zayn Daniel Bryan story. So I thought it was fun enough. Did did, did you okay. did you yeah. dig it? I see. The thing is, I missed the pre-show match because I have to wake up over here at at two thirty in the morning to catch WrestleMania on time. So what I was, time is I it was, right now? Where you are? Right now, it is almost. It's quarter to eleven. So PM. At PM. And okay. uh, yeah, so I have to be up again at two thirty for for day two. So I I decide to sleep through the pre-show. But um, yeah, I, I, if if you say it's a good match, I might go and check it out. Um, but yeah, it seems inconsequential, so I decide to. Like, I mean, I wouldn't like. Ru- I wouldn't rush to check it out. It's fine, but it's not mm-hmm. like. It's yeah. It's 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 average. I I definitely won't be waking up for Liv Morgan versus Natalia tonight. I'll tell you that. So. And that'll be your loss, really. Yeah. I mean, I just love the idea. They were like, who who else deserves to be in the WrestleMania card? Okay, Liv Morgan because she's you know a new character. Natalia. Mm-hmm. Oh my Natalia. god. Oh god. Where has she been? I feel, I feel like we haven't school seen for the last decade. <laughs> I feel like we haven't seen her since, and and I could be wrong about this, but remember when we were at SummerSlam and the Raw after SummerSlam, uh, I believe Sasha Banks came out and took Natalia out, and I feel like that's that's the last time we've seen her. I cannot remember seeing her after that. Yeah, no, no neither can I. So, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I, no, I mean, uh, God, God bless them. They're getting a payday. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, good for them, good for them. So uh, we start the main card with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross challenging for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship against the Kabuki Warriors, Asuka and Kyrie Sane. This was a very interesting match. It was, um, I, I feel like this match was made very, in, in, in almost a rush. Uh, Asuka did a little bit of the build. Uh, Alexa Bliss was involved. We saw Nikki Cross over the f- over the weeks, just you know, on commentary doing, you know, like this this wacky, crazy shtick that she does, which I actually really like. Um, and uh, Kyrie Sane has been missing. I believe she's been on her honeymoon this entire time. But uh, surprisingly, this the win went to ask uh, to to Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. There was a spinning neckbreaker, and Alexa Bliss tags in, did the twisted bliss, and picked up the witch, the the big win here. So the the new tag team champions are Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Kenny, uh, what did you think of this match? Um, I think it went too long. I think it could have if if it went eight nine minutes, that'd have been better. But I think they they worked mm-hmm. really hard, and you know. It must be really hard to work in an empty arena because you're you can't feel off any sort of crowd. So I thought they did a good job. I was cackling at like you know Nikki Cross just being like, "Come on, come and get me!" And just being so Scottish the whole time. <laughs> um, Asuka, you know, is I mean, as as a gay guy, even I'm just like, she's so hot. Like Asuka is just the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she's she's just mental. So I thought that they worked really hard and they put put a pretty good effort and. I don't think the title win is going to be looked back at as that memorable because of it being empty arena, but I, I think that they they did a good job. Yeah, uh, I I do I do I mean this whole empty arena thing is a big factor going into a lot of the matches I guess uh, that we saw on the first night and that I guess we will see tonight. Uh, this was a fifteen minute match, which again to what you said was a really really long match in my opinion as well. 
so it's uh, obviously a good start for the for the Scots because Nikki Cross is now a tag team champion. Happy and days. Happy days. And uh, uh, it's really unfortunate because Ali had texted me saying that Alexa Bliss was going to be coming to the arena by uh, bowling for soup. They were meant to play her in. So uh, that's that's a darn miss for for Ollie and I. Uh, but it's such a it's, such a shame, isn't it? Because like that would have been such a cool moment. So I mean, hopefully ne- this time next year, Alexa's still. I mean, I was listening to you two on the the Pot of Thunder, just jizzing over Alexa Bliss all opportunities. Um, <laughs> it's fairly embarrassing, but um, but, but like I mean, she will probably be re- relevant enough next year to have Bowen for Soup come out then, but. That would have been a cool entrance. I, I, I'm gutted we're not going to see it. It would have been, right? But and I think they, they probably would do the song, right? The Alexa Bliss song, which which I don't know in a year if that will still be relevant. But, I mean, perhaps. My, my biggest miss is, is Alter Bridge playing out Edge. That That's another one that was supposed to happen. Oh, no. It's such a gutter. Yeah. Imagine. I, I can't tell if that's sarcasm, but... No, no, genuinely. Um, like, can you imagine that oh. that would have been such a great pop? His first WrestleMania back in... Yeah. Nine years, and and Alter Bridge is one of my favorite bands. I was introduced to Alter Bridge through WWE, and I I love that band. And I'm just really really upset that it won't happen. But uh, there's uh, always next Kenny, year. There's always next year. We have LA, uh, WrestleMania goes Hollywood. So that, that as of now we do. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> um. Uh. So uh, Kenny. Y- the the macho man right the macho man was notorious for for planning his matches move to move to move uh before the match even started right so mm-hmm. this is this is something that's been well documented over the years do you think something like that like the macho man style of actually executing a match would would be beneficial for people um on on this wrestlemania um I th- yeah, I think it depends. I think that like, Randy Savage was able to just say, "This is how I want to do it," and and that worked for him. I I don't think today that you could get away with. I like I don't, I, I I think it. I've watched wrestlers plan matches before, and some wrestlers, you know, they they don't do a lot. Some wrestlers want to know every single bit. bit. But I mean, Savage mm-hmm. was notorious for writing everything down, and it was a full script and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I. I think there's some wrestlers who could benefit from it, but I mean, like even the Boneyard match, the Boneyard match was probably very scripted. But then they could stop and start and do that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, I don't know what what would be easier, calling it in the ring or remembering a script of like twenty minutes. I mean, sometimes I look at like Young Bucks matches and I'm like, how do they remember all that stuff? Exactly. Like exactly. You know, it's like that whole uh, Fraser Crane thing of like, you know, if less is more, imagine how much more and more could be. Um, <laughs> but I, I thought I think that Randy. I don't think there's room in wrestling today for like a Randy Savage to become Randy Savage because it's a mm-hmm. different environment and stuff. So, um, I mean, yeah, people but, like John Cena would would tremendously benefit from that because he <sighs> is just insanely loud, and I mean, you know the you know the moves before they happen. So, I, I like Cena, and I, I but I think that. I mean, name one other big res- big name wrestler in the last ten years who consistently calls spots loudly. Um, you can't. You can't. Yeah, there's nobody. So, but I mean, you know, there's a. I guess there's a more interesting conversation about, you know, if somebody like, uh, 
Randy Savage or Hulk Hogan or The Rock or whatever came into NXT today, would they mm-hmm. be able to become what they, they were? I don't think they would, but mm-hmm. um, I... I, I don't. I, my brain doesn't have enough in it to memorize something for like thirty minutes. But if it did, I'd love to do it. Mm-hmm. But we yeah. obviously have memorized everything. That, you you sent me a script of what to say today, so I'm just reading these lines that you've asked me to read. But um, <laughs> you know that's that's what I'm here for. You're the boss. You're the one that's paying yeah. my check. So yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's weird being on this side of the the fence here. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so right. So uh, jumping over to the next match, which was. Uh, was made by Gronk, who is the the host of WrestleMania. Um, so Elias taking on King Corbin in a singles match. Uh, this match, I feel, was also very long. It went nine minutes, and it ended with uh, Baron Corbin attempting to to roll Elias up with his feet on the ropes. The referee caught him, told him to get his feet off, but then Elias ends up rolling up Corbin. With a handful of tights. So, uh, yeah. This match was initially not sure. So, they, they build it as, oh, it might not happen because Corbin threw Elias off that, that podium. And it might not take place. But then Elias comes out, smashes the guitar and all that stuff. And the match actually did take place. Uh, what did you think of this match? Garbage. Absolutely garbage. Um, mm-hmm. it, was, it was so, like, dull. Like... Corbin is, I think Corbin's good, but the gimmick of King is so cartoony, I just don't think it works. Elias mm. is the most bland babyface. Like, Elias is like mild cheddar. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, yeah. there's, no need, there's no need for mild cheddar. Yeah. You, get, you have mature cheddar, you don't have cheddar. Um, yeah. But I think, I mean, I was going to ask you this actually, because um, I have nothing to say about Elias and Corbin. I was trying to think of something to bring to the mm. table. Um what do you think the Attitude Era version or the WCW nineteen eighty eight version of this match would be? Like, is this oh, like so Norman the, Smiley and Prince Iakea? Uh, this is the, the wrestling equivalent of um, let's say if we're doing if we're going back to the the Attitude Era, I might say it's like a Steve Blackman versus, and this is like early Steve Blackman before he joined forces with uh, Al Snow. Um, I would say Steve Blackman versus. Maybe who else was featured but then didn't really do much and job down. I guess Al Snow. So yeah, the Battle of Steve Blackman versus yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so it could be it could be Steve Blackman versus Al Snow here, you know. Um, but by I mean by the way, since Elias and Corbin, there's not really anything to say. You skipped by one of the most egregious parts of the show. Oh, which you're part? gonna you're not gonna talk about Rob Gronkowski, the uh, host well, of WrestleMania. Who so started I, off the show with Mojo? F- Am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll go Mojo fucking Raleigh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wanted I wanted to combine all that when when we get to the the twenty four seven title thing. This is your show. So, I'm used oh, no, to that's hosting. Okay. I that's, I apologize. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's absolutely okay. But yeah, um, I I do. I <laughs> this was honestly the the. You know, I feel like there's way, and I had this argument with with uh, my brother where I said I I just don't understand why everyone needs to be presented on WrestleMania. I feel like you need to earn your spot at WrestleMania. Don't you agree? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, Jim Ross said that for years that like you sh- it shouldn't be that everybody gets on the card, and like 
if you were to really take this card, um, you know, this that night one, for example, and go, okay, what matches deserve to be on WrestleMania? Um, mm-hmm. Then Cesaro and Gulak would be out. I think the women's tag match would be out. This would be mm-hmm. out. Because mm-hmm. um, they just don't feel like... They don't feel WrestleMania worthy. But then, I mean, WrestleMania years ago, through between mm-hmm. like two and eight, would have loads of kind of filler matches. But... I think the problem now is because they've hired so many people and they've got so many guys that you want to see mm-hmm. or girls that you want to see that it's harder. But yeah, I think I, I, I've, I've always believed that like, even if WWE did two, three hour WrestleManias every yeah. year, you would still only have about maybe half the roster on the shows. And True. I mean, it would be lovely one year to not have a multi-team tag title match. Oh. Like... Be great to just have like one team is challenging for the titles. There's a story. There's a built-in thing. Um, that to me would be more interesting. I I've, I mentioned this on on the last last podcast that I did, uh, and I I noticed that there is a trend forming with tag team champions, especially the the raw ones, where any team that's being called up from NXT seems to be getting the titles almost immediately. So when, when AOP came up, obviously they got injured, but when they came back, they won the titles. And then uh, after that, the Viking Raiders came up, they won the titles. Now the Street Profits are up, they won the titles. The titles just feel like they're passed on to push people. But to me, that just means that the people that are already on the roster are not good enough to keep the titles and these new guys just come and win them. So there's no credibility behind the titles. Which sort of, I feel like, and, and WWE has been criticized for this before, that their tag team division is very lacking. And I feel like this is just sort of showing that, yes, look, you know, this is proving everyone's argument. They're saying that the, the tag team division is lacking. Well, here, see, like no one really cares about the tag team division, but they have excellent tag team performers like the Usos, New Day, etc. Yeah, the, 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 nothing is about them not having the talented performers, but it's just more about. Um, I feel at the top, the, the top half of WrestleMania or top two thirds, which should always feel like that is stuff that you know WrestleMania couldn't go on without it, and I feel like that should be the. Because I mean, last year, like, what, what time did we when we went to WrestleMania thirty five? What time did the pre show mm-hmm. start? Was it five thirty? The first match went on. Um. Maybe. Yeah. And, and about, then it's a two-hour pre-show, so for WrestleMania, right? So it's yeah. Um, so I think it started. Five, I think it started at five night. The first match came out between five and five thirty, and we yeah. the Becky Lynch match main event finished at like ten past twelve in the morning. Yes, it was seven hours. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just long. too long. Yeah, that was really really long. And as as she said, um, she she was thanking people for staying until the main event. But we we were exhausted. By the time we got back to our Airbnb, we were absolutely exhausted. And then we had Raw the next day. So, I mean, it takes it takes up a full day. Um, do, do you prefer this format? Um, I mean, I think when we talk tomorrow, I'll be able to tell you definitively. But so mm-hmm. far, yes. Okay. Because okay. I think the idea that it's like. It's three. It's three hour pay per views, and especially just have like one pre show match, so that like, you know, you you, you basically are gonna ha- you know turn up at the arena at six, and the first match could come on at half six, and you're gonna be done by ten. That yeah. two nights in a row to me is much. 
I'm going to be able to digest it all. I'm going to like the Boneyard match is amazing, and part of what is I mean, I'm jumping ahead, but part of the reason it is so amazing okay. is because it's it was only half the card and it was done over yeah. three hours. If that had been, if it was all put into one, would it still have packed as much of a punch? I don't know. Would it have been watered down? So, so far, I like the format. What do you think? I, I do, I do. I mean, I was shocked that it ended because I'm just used to bracing myself for a longer longer period of time. So I'm sitting there, I've got all my food and drinks and everything kept around me, and I didn't touch half the things. I was like, oh, what? Bonier Marsh, that's it? It's done? Oh, that was fast. So Isn't uh, it like really it, refreshing to ha- to watch a pay- watch a WrestleMania and at the end of it go, oh, I, I, I'm, I want to see more. Oh, I can't wait for tomorrow for the rest of it, rather than... yes. Yeah. You know, I need to go and lie down and um, and and have a rest. Because mm-hmm. well, the WrestleMania blues, the post WrestleMania blues are real, right? Like you've experienced it, I've experienced it. Anyone who goes and travels and attends WrestleMania experiences it. Um, but this is, this, is, this, this is the first time. The last time that I watched a WrestleMania at home was two thousand and six. Wow, that's fourteen years ago. Hmm. So wow, and then that, you know you, you can't even you can't even sit and watch it with some friends. You have to. Well, I mean, luckily Steve Gunn, you know, mm-hmm. lives with me, so we watched it. To, we watch it together. But yeah, the, the, it's um, it's it's different. But the 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 boneyard match basically made it worthwhile for me. Yeah, so I I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Here's um, where so, I'll, I'll wait till the main event and ask you. Never mind. Sure. Um, so Becky Lynch is then seen driving that big semi truck that she's been driving around. Uh, she comes, um, she arrives at the performance center. We then see Shayna Baszler come out to the ring, followed by Becky Lynch. They immediately start swinging at each other. Uh, later on in the match, Shayna Baszler grabs her on the outside, swings her into that that announce table so violently. It sounds it sounds even worse when there's no no crowd to sort of muffle the sound. So just it it sounded like Becky's skull was being cracked, um, but Shayna Baszler attempts to disarm her, and uh, Becky Lynch counters, and then eventually Shayna Baszler grabs her in the Kirafuda clutch, but then Becky Lynch falls back and bridges over and grabs the pinfall victory, just shockingly ending the match. So uh, Kenny, uh, what did you think of this like? sudden end to the match and you know there was there was a lot of expectations of this match did did they meet your expectations or did they not uh, not really not through the fault of the performers i thought they had a, i thought they had a really good match and i thought that they did well and i liked the style of it and the kind of counter submissions and all that but i think that we saw in quite a lot of the matches that they struggled because without the crowd it's hard to kind of like figure out if they're if the crowd are with you when you're mm-hmm. going towards the finish or whatever, and the the finish just kind of felt like it came out of nowhere, and I think that it to me to me it seems like Vince McMahon has made his decision that he's not he's not he's just not on the Shayna Baszler train, and um, mm. and that's that's a shame. I mean, I I really like Shayna. I like that she's a cage fighter. I like that she's got a different style to people, but I think that she, I mean, they didn't bury her or anything, but at the same time, mm. it's like. New people, when they come in and they're supposed to be killers, should sometimes come in and be killers rather than just like, oh no, they lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like just just exactly what I was saying about the tag team division where people come up and they win the titles. I think for once this should have been that time where someone won the title but didn't. And I don't know now. I guess 
people might say like oh you're just going to complain about everything if, if they do it you're you're unhappy if they don't do it you're unhappy but i really think that Shayna baser kept that character of she's as you said a killer and she had that character on nxt and she she maintained it well by defeating everyone except for rhea ripley and then now that she's moved to raw she's she's sort of in that oh i'm a killer but i i'm just fumbled the big one so i don't know if this is still building up to ronda versus becky which is what i guess where wwe the the direction that wwe wants to go in but that that's sort of detrimental to to the character of Shayna baszler i think it's going to be it's, yeah it's it's not ideal for her i don't think it's a complete um i don't think it's a complete uh burial burial over which can't come back from it and all that kind of stuff but mm-hmm. I just think that she needed to I think that if a crowd had been there I think they could have felt it a little bit more but it, it felt too abrupt and I was just really getting into it properly when it finished I, I see what, what I fail to understand right is Becky's biggest uh, um, I guess biggest um, matchup and I guess the story the best story that they told as Becky with the championship was against Asuka where Asuka was, was her biggest adverse, uh, the, the, the one mountain that she could not climb the, the one person she couldn't defeat. And then it took a long time for Becky Lynch to finally defeat Asuka. But then in the, in the elimination chamber, Shayna Baszler disposed of Asuka very easily. So I, to me, it should have been slightly more competitive and, and Becky should have just won by the skin of her teeth, which maybe she did here, but it just... I, I Again, I didn't feel like the story in the ring told me that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it, and this was one of those uh, matches where it felt like they needed, it needed to be... You know, and they needed to nail it and the, the circumstances around it and the finish they were given and meant that they couldn't really nail it. So it was mm-hmm. it was underwhelming. Do you think? Do you think that's a big thing because of the crowd, the lack of the crowd? Yeah, but even then, I think if they'd done this finish in front of a crowd, I think we would have all been like, "What?" Like, I think we would. I think I. I think they. There needed to be a bit more. Mm-hmm. I I thought this match. I was shocked that it went on third. Like technically, this is the third match of the entire WrestleMania card, and I was shocked that it was a third match. I think if if they're going for you know. Uh, the the women's evolution and all that stuff it should this should have main evented the night but i guess in hindsight seeing the boneyard match probably was a good idea to put it here especially with the way it ended um yeah, for sure right so then uh we see your favorite host of all time gronk and his buddy mojo raleigh doing yes chance which is uh, which is leading us into Daniel Bryan with Drew Gulak versus Sami Zayn, who is the Intercontinental Champion, uh, with Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro. This is Sami Zayn's first televised match since 2018, Kenny. Since 2018. And wasn't it match. worth the wait to see these two absolute uh, studs tearing up? Two oh, men. Yeah. One of oh, them who fight, yeah. One of them who fights for Syria and, and, and you know, gets, <laughs> you know, aid over there. The other one who refuses to go to the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Two absolute mm-hmm. lads. Vegans. Um, They're both vegans. They do so much for the animal kingdom. I know. And, yeah, uh, they, are, they are the Carol Baskins of pro wrestling. Oh, oh um, God, no. 
it's a it's a wee it's a wee, uh, a wee current reference for you, wee Tiger King reference. <laughs> but that's a do not be like Carol Baskin because she killed her husband. Okay. So. Yeah, she's just fucking evil bitch. Uh, but yeah, so th- this match, Daniel Bryan, I feel is trying to retire again because everything he does is is so concussive i guess there is this one spot i don't know if you remember this but uh slid out. yes mm-hmm. and he and he flew head first into that that the the guard not the guardrail the the uh, barrier thing yeah. the barrier and oh my god i thought he cracked his neck because his legs were flailing in the air oh my god he just doesn't need to be doing it he doesn't. He doesn't at all. There's who's he doing it for? I mean, at yeah, sure, people watching at home, but I mean, when you do it for that crowd pop, I, I guess it it adds to the match a little more. But this was this was uh, Brian needs to stop. He scares me every time he does something like that. And uh, yeah, so the match ends when uh, Cesaro and Nakamura throw Gulak into the the ring steps. Uh, Brian dives onto them with a, with a uh, suicida. And then when Brian comes back into the ring, he climbs onto the top rope. He attempts a move, but then Sami Zayn catches him with a halluva kick and picks up the the, the win here. So, uh, yeah, Sami Zayn with a victory retains his Intercontinental Championship. Uh, did you think this was the right decision? How should this have gone? Um, um, I think because walk me through it. I think because uh, Brian obviously has he's got some sort of immune system issues. So he has mm-hmm. to go back and be in quarantine when he's done, and he has to. I, I think that it's probably safer to not put the belt on him right now. Um, mm-hmm. And it gave Sami Zayn a big win. You know, Sami Zayn yeah. can come out of it going that he beat Daniel Bryan in in the middle of the ring, fair and square. And um, I thought they told a good story. I liked Bryan kind of slapping him about, and Sami Zayn begging, and in the in the end he stole a victory with that cool finish with the jumping off top and at the halluva kick. So. I thought that in in the ring they had the best in ring match at the performance center. Um yeah, possibly. Um I guess uh, you mean matches without any stipulations because or do you mean overall this was the best night in the ring? Uh, overall I th- I think this I think this was the best one in terms of I think other matches in the show that were good really felt that the, the lack of crowd hurt it. But I think mm-hmm. that this match, like, they had the three guys on the outside. They had Gulak and Cesaro and Nakamura. So that was able to add some excitement to it. So I think that in the end, that was the best overall in-ring match um, at the PC. Okay. For me. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I, th- I thought it was a decent match. It it ran about nine minutes, which was a good time. It didn't feel like nine minutes. Whereas, I guess, you know, the Elias Corbin match felt like an eternity and... Um, the, even the tag team match to, to kick the show off was a bit long. Um, speaking of tag teams, we have the SmackDown Triple Threat match, a ladder match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. But this is not contested under tag team rules. This is a, a singles competition. So so one person from each team is representing the, the entire team. So you've got Kofi Kingston versus Jimmy Uso versus John Morrison. So they said it will be a triple threat match because Miz was injured. So, uh, but I, I believe the case is that Miz was not feeling well and they thought that, you know, it's best that he doesn't um, come to the performance center because I believe that's why Roman Reigns pulled out as well, right? Yeah, yeah, that's... that's and you, I, you, we can't really blame anyone for pulling out... Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, it's understandable. I, I get it. So, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, I thought this was a really good match. I, I was a little, I'm not a big fan of the, the, I guess, singles competitors defending the tag team championships, especially after my trip down memory lane in thunder, 1998, after seeing the giant versus sting, Listen, you, you and Ollie came to me with the idea. <laughs> Don't put thunder on me. You... I tell you what. I tell you what. It, this was Ollie's idea. He he drunkenly passed it by me in New Orleans, and I laughed it off completely. I was laughing. I was like, oh, yeah, sure, thunder. And then he texted me a few months later. He's like, so are we doing thunder? I said, wait, are you serious? And then I, I thought it'd be funny. I didn't know it was going to be this bad, Kenny. I had no clue. I tried to warn me. you guys. It was like, no, 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 we, we, it's, it's going to be good. And it's like talking you guys off a ledge every week. Oh, God. When I heard you <laughs> and Finn talking about it and Finn said by by April, it is, it, it's absolutely horrendous. I am petrified now. I'm quivering. I, I can't imagine how much worse it gets. I just cannot. So much more to come. So oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Um, but so I, I think there, they, 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 they had to make the choice either whether they were going to do do the singles or do or, or because obviously with Miz being out, they yes. they had to make a choice. I I think this match is the match on the show that suffered the most from being an empty arena. Yeah, I, it it didn't click for me, and I feel bad saying that because they all tried really hard. Like Jimmy Uso and Kofi Kingston, Morrison, you got to give them massive props for what they did, but it just didn't click. It felt like why are we watching a bunch of guys? you know smashing ladders off themselves in front of nobody it just didn't it didn't work for me which is a shame oh wow okay um i i I personally i really enjoyed this match uh maybe because my expectations for this match were really low i thought you know again i was really annoyed that singles competitors are defending tag team titles so i i wasn't exactly in the mindset of of i'm gonna enjoy this match so perhaps that sort of you know because the match was really good it 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 did work for me i will say it did work for me um i i did think the finish of the match was really creative there's some spots like kofi doing the springboard into the harakarana to john morrison was was insane uh jimmy uso being thrown off or thrown from the ring to the outside uh, there were some ladder, some crazy ladder spots. There was one um, Starship Pain delivered to, I believe it was Kofi, who was laying on a ladder up on the mid, between the top rope and the middle rope. There's no room to do that move, yet he hit that move perfectly. That man is just a wonder. I just don't understand how he works. Uh, the finish of the match was when all three of the guys were on top. They... Now this is Kenny. You'll have to explain this to me because I was really confused. But they they remove the the titles with the clasp on, and they remove the entire bracket. And Jimmy Uso was the one who removed it. They're all holding on to it, but then they headbutt John Morrison, and he yanked the the titles and fell down onto a ladder, but was holding the titles. So that's how he retained the titles. Um, did you understand what happened initially? Because I, I was really lost in the start. Um, I understood it when Morrison fell with the belts. I, I, this this finish divides a lot of opinions. Some people really like it. I think it's clever. Some people think it makes the baby faces look stupid. I mean, the idea is supposed to be that you only win the match when you have grabbed the titles and released them from the clasp. So, mm-hmm. in theory, that works. But like, my question would then be, if you're Kofi Kingston and Jimmy Uso... And Morrison is holding on to the belts. Why would you 
headbutt him for him to fall off. It's like you're giving him the victory. So, mm-hmm. I, it, I mean, I I think it was was it clever? I don't know if it's clever. It was it was interesting. It was different, but I mean, because you can never usually do that spot because usually the you can't get to the clasp because it's so high because mm-hmm. you're in a stadium. So this was one time where like the um, by the way, did you, was it just me that got really distracted by the air fan at the top of the performance center? Why? Why were there fans there? There are two of them. Oh my god! It was. Just, I, was like, I don't know why that, that just stuck out to me. So I was like, why? What? And they're moving so slow. It was like they were like because this performance center was built six years ago, and this looks like a fan from like 1989. <laughs> yeah, Mad. maybe even older. And I, mean, I, I don't know if that was supposed to add to the pirate theme. But I don't remember ever seeing a fan on a pirate ship. Yeah, no, neither do I. But you know, I think you, you said the match worked for you. I think the match, it depends how you feel about the lack of crowd and, and whether it worked for you or not. Uh, because I really found that it, the crowd not being there kind of took me out of it. Mm-hmm. That's just me. Mm-hmm. If I think if I hadn't felt that way, I would have maybe said this was the best in-ring match of the night. But the, the mm-hmm. atmosphere for me just kind of, I, I just couldn't get into it. I, I, th- Again, I think I'm in the yeah. minority in that one. Yeah, the, the the high spots that any performer does without a crowd sort of feels like almost a waste because you're you're sort of checking that that you're crossing that that spot off your body, and it it decreases the longevity of your career. And I understand this is WrestleMania, and to them it's really you know it's a prestigious night, regardless whether they're fans or not. So perhaps they take it a little differently than we do as spectators. But um, for me, uh, I again, because my expectations were so low for this match that I thought it, it sort of turned out really well. I, however, didn't understand what happened. When Morrison fell, I didn't see the titles with him. So, and then I saw one of the titles hanging off the ladder, and another one was under the ladder. So when, when he fell down and he grabbed the title, that's when I was like, oh, oh okay. But... What I didn't understand is that I've seen people in the past, and I, I believe it was John Cena when he won the money in the bank. I could be wrong. but uh, Or was it Randy Orton when they unified the, the heavyweight and the WWE titles? And uh, I, they, they removed the clasp, and the match was done. So to me, if Jimmy Uso removed the, the clasp, well, he's the champion, Right. That's... Uh, that, yeah, that's that's fair. I I didn't think of it that way. You made a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, it's WWE. Mm-hmm. The rules change all the time. <laughs> I mean, the uh. the the last the, the Braun Strowman's Money in the Bank cash in oh, was God. thwarted by a no contest in a Hell in a Cell. Oh God! And then Seth Rollins and Fiend had a disqualification finish inside Hell in a Cell. Oh gosh! Speaking of Seth Rollins, uh, we have Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens in uh, the first of two matches that they take place. Um, this uh, the first match was was your, I guess your basic um, Kevin Owens uh, Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins match that you'd expect. Uh, they they had some moves on the hardest part of the ring. Kenny, do you know what that is? Do you know where the hardest part of the ring is? No. I, I, mean, I mean, where where would the hardest part of the ring be? If if you really pay attention, you can tell. But it's it's just on that you know the apron between the the rings and the outside the side of the ring. 
it's it's just that part that is the hard i i mean it's they they mention a very subtle so i i understand if you've never heard it it's it's you know it's 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 i guess you know you have to be a wrestling connoisseur to know so um yeah the <laughs> the hardest part of the ring and the uh, majority of the storytelling i guess was there uh both men end up brawling towards the timekeeper's area and seth Rollins grabs the ring bell and rings it with kevin owens head so it actually goes ding and uh, kevin owens drops seth Rollins is disqualified i was i was absolutely enraged i was like what the fuck is this i was so mad i said is this match really ending in a disqualification they worked us yeah oh beautifully um kevin owens then grabs a microphone he says listen if uh, it's not gonna end this way you know, I thought you were supposed to be a god at WrestleMania, and those weren't actions of a god. Those were actions of a little bitch. So get back here, and we'll make it a no-disqualification match. So Rollins, you know, he's like, when will you learn? He comes back in, uh, does the high knee, and uh, they sort of end up brawling on the outside again. But this time, Kevin Owens grabs um, grabs the ring, uh, the ring bell, rather, and, and smacks it onto to Seth Rollins, dropping him on the table, and then he climbs around the announcer's table, goes up onto the massive WrestleMania sign that they have hanging up there, and does a massive elbow drop through the table. Kevin Owens then throws Rollins back into the ring, delivers a stunner, and picks up a massive, massive win against Seth Rollins. This was incredible the entire time of this was 17 minutes and 20 seconds kenny what did you think um yeah i mean they they worked me i was very annoyed at the idea of the finish was the the dq um the, the, but then the, once they came back in and they had the the no dq match i thought it really picked up that great spot of owens jumping off the wrestlemania sign was so good that'll be replayed for years and years and years um i my juvenile sense of humor will always anytime so anytime a wrestler calls another wrestler a bitch, I'm like, <gasps> what? <Yeah. laughs> but um, you could hear Seth Rollins call him a fat piece of shit as well. He or was he a fat did. piece of crap. Fat yeah, piece so of crap. It was, it was incredible. Yeah. But um, but no, and I, I thought they told a really good story. Um, this was one I was worried about a little bit because the uh, the thing the thing about it is that. Them, they, they, they didn't have a gimmick. They didn't have a stipulation. So I was kind of worried about how people were going to react to it. But I think the new, the, the DQ swerve was a really clever mm-hmm. way to tease people that they might not be getting what they want. And um, yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed this. Thought it was like a good part of the show. Yeah, uh, we so we're we're part of a uh, Facebook Messenger group, and we were all uh, talking as the night was progressing. And when this happened. Uh, it was almost like in 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 a, in an instant where everyone's like, "What the hell? What the fuck? What the fuck just happened? Oh my god!" So I guess everyone got worked, and uh, and it turned out to be a fantastic, fantastic moment by Kevin Owens. Um, this is the first WrestleMania that Seth Rollins has been a part of where he hasn't won a match. So unless he wins oh, yeah. something tonight, yeah, no, yeah, because he won all the Shield matches and then he won, he cashed in and then he beat Triple H mm-hmm. and then he, what did he do at twenty? He, he won the IC title at uh, the Triple Threat match, Triple Threat match, and then he beat Brock. Yeah, good start. Yeah. So this is the first time Seth Rollins has not won at WrestleMania. Um, 
moving on to, I guess, the part that you were waiting for, our truth comes up to talk to Gronk and Mojo Rawley. He asks them to to protect him, but they both sort of look at him in a very rapey way. Um, Gronk delivers a elbow shot to our truths chest. And then he goes for the cover. I guess we know what his finisher is. Uh, he goes for a cover and then Mojo Rawley is like, nah, nah, playboy. I don't know why he still keeps calling people playboy. This is not 1992. Um, and, uh, then he covers our truth and is now the new 24 seven title. And, uh, is he on SmackDown or is he on raw? Who cares? Who cares? So, he's been he's true. been he's now Gronk's pal. They're bros, and I hate them. Ugh. I just I hate them. I I I can't get into it. Mojo Rawley. I've never been hyped for him. I'm sure he's a nice mm. guy, but um, it was short he's, and painless. So I mean, the people who liked it, I'm glad they enjoyed it. it I, I assume tonight they're gonna keep it up, and Gronk's gonna win the the title. But um. Oh, I, I just don't think this. I don't think this is going to be played in the same breath as Cindy Lauper at WrestleMania One, or Mike Tyson at WrestleMania Fourteen, or Floyd Mayweather at WrestleMania Twenty Four. I don't think Gronk oh, God. is going to be in that same conversation. I mean, at least at least Cindy Lauper could cut a fucking promo. So, <laughs> That's uh, very true. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So this was this was a bit. Um, it was yeah, uh, completely not required. But uh, I guess the the host has to do something. So uh, this is, I guess, what he's doing. Uh, we then see Paul Heyman walk up to Charlie Caruso backstage, and uh, she's scared out of her wits for some reason. And uh, he says he hasn't properly conveyed how unique Brock Lesnar is and that Drew McIntyre cannot fill his shoes. And McIntyre isn't close to the athlete that Brock Lesnar is, and Brock Lesnar will retain his title. So uh, uh, a decent promo by, by Heyman, as, as he always you know, I mean, it's it's he can do this in his sleep. That's that's how fucking good he is. Um, and then uh, we go forward to a Heyman guy, which is uh, Bill Goldberg. Uh, Bill Goldberg is defending the WWE Universal Championship against his new opponent, Braun Strowman. And Kenny, some would say that the only reason Goldberg lost this match is because he was not prepared for Strowman. He was preparing for Roman Reigns. And the you know his spears and stuff were were practiced on a much smaller individual, and Braun Strowman is much bigger than Roman Reigns, so you know perhaps that is why. But four spears uh, attempt at jackhammer, but he never even actually executed it. And then uh, Braun Strowman picked him up, delivered uh, four running well four power slams. One of them was a running one. And became the new universal title. Two minutes and ten seconds. I guess we were all betting how long this match would go. And now Braun Strowman is your new universal champion, Kenny. What do you think? It had to be done. I think it was the right decision. They, they. I mean, it, it, I tried to not get angry about the idea that The Fiend lost for this to Goldberg in Saudi Arabia. But, um, yeah, I think they had to put the belt on Strowman if Strowman lost again. Like, he's just dead in the water. So maybe this is going to be the beginning of Strowman getting to be a contender again, be relevant again. So, um, and I thought I thought that the match actually had a little bit of atmosphere. I thought that it was good. D- Doug Goldberg's beard as well. That was good. You should look at that kind of beard game. Um, yeah. Doing more of a oh, full yeah. facial one. But, um, yeah. It, not, that, not that I'm saying you should cover your face, but... You know, anyway. Um, San- Santa Slay. Slan- Santa Slay Goldberg. Santa Slay Goldberg, here for it. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, th- I, th- I, th- I thought it was it was short and sweet and uh, fun enough. I know some people hate it, but, like, 
Goldberg, Goldberg shouldn't have been beating Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman winning, I think, made sense. Do you think this was, mm-hmm. this was the right call out of the two choices of him or Goldberg uh, retaining? After after Goldberg defeated the Fiend, I said, okay, at least I, I mean I was irate. I, I as I guess everyone was. I was not happy with the decision, but uh, Goldberg becoming the champion, I made my peace with it. And I said, okay, if they can tell a good story with it, I'm I'm okay. So I'm I'm not happy with this decision because of that because it they killed the fiend character to do something here and now they've not been able to do that. I wish they had just left the title on Goldberg until the circumstances were right to bring Roman Reigns back and have the Goldberg versus Reigns match. I guess that I mean I'm sure there are contractual obligations and and there's a lot of stuff backstage that we don't know, but as a spectator as a viewer of the of the show, I was not exactly happy watching uh, you know, Goldberg come in, destroy the Fiend, and then get squashed. I mean, not exactly squashed, but it was a short match that Braun Strowman won. And uh, they had the luxury of editing and, you know, taking breaks and stuff, which I feel like they didn't utilize in this match. So there, there could have been more done with this match. But I feel like Goldberg really needed to, you know, uh, I guess he, he showed that he was Goldberg by delivering the four spears. But they should have done something more, or at least kept the title on him until until Roman came back. And I guess, unfortunately, that would have been you know to the to the detriment of the character of Braun Strowman. But I guess putting Strowman in this match was a lose lose. I don't think it was a smart decision to put Strowman in this match in the first place. So I was not exactly do you, do you, happy. Do you, with do you the keep win. the belt on Goldberg? Mm-hmm. Like I just yeah, I would have I would have rather kept it on Goldberg until you know things had settled. And then at least at least he becomes sort of a quote unquote credible champion if he had defended it against let's say maybe a Jeff Hardy or or someone else in this night you know or Sheamus or whoever it was uh, someone that could you know that was expendable for one loss and then have have Goldberg retain the title and then say oh look he defeated this this person and he defeated the Fiend and then he defeated this guy and now he's gonna you know defend it against Roman and I think the story would have been better in the future had they kept it on Goldberg a little longer. But, you know, again, as there are things with contracts and stuff, I'm not sure. But as a viewer, I was not happy with this decision. I mean, we're just going to have to agree to disagree, I guess. I think it's good to have it on Braun. I think, I mean, Goldberg couldn't have even done a jackhammer on Braun. Yeah, yeah. The rule should be, if you can't do your finish with people anymore, no shade, but like, Maybe you just maybe it's time to. I just don't think this. I I don't think Goldberg having it. I don't think the story would be that captivating. So it's one of the rare times where I'd rather it was on a full time guy. Nothing, nothing against Braun Strowman, but for me, it's it's coming off that pick that that story with the Fiend. You know, I I don't like seeing a character take a massive loss and then not have it sort of lead into something else. I'm I'm coming from that position. Uh, again, Strowman being a full-time champion is much better than Goldberg being a part-time one. But for me, it was it was that okay. If, if you if you lost, if you defeat, if destroyed the character the Fiend for a reason, well then fulfill that reason, which I don't think they did. So, yeah, that's I mean, uh, there are many ways of looking at this, but that's just the way I think uh, it should have been done. Um, and now, moving on to I guess what the entire internet wrestling community is talking about the boneyard match um 
this was initially it was there was a lot of laughter people were jokingly tweeting about it saying that oh what the hell is a boneyard match even the commentary team on raw was like what the hell is a boneyard match no one knew and we came out of this i believe in in fantastic fashion um so a hearse pulls up uh into the cemetery uh, AJ Styles comes out of a coffin, laughs, calls out The Undertaker, and then Metallica starts playing. The Undertaker rides up in in a motorcycle, a chopper. He is dressed as the American badass. It was fantastic. Styles makes a jab at him, talks about Michelle McCool, and says, uh, oh, does she know you're at this late? Uh, they both end up brawling. Um, they, they use various, uh, I guess, objects around them, like bricks and stuff. Uh, Undertaker grabs, I guess, a pipe and attempts to stab uh, AJ Styles with it, but uh, AJ Styles moves, so his hand goes through the window of this hearst. Um, he cuts his arm open, and I love the commentary as Taker's talking and and fighting. He keeps calling him son, <laughs> He's, and then when he puts his arm through the, the glass, he calls him, he says, son of a bitch, look what you made me do. Uh, they, they brawl on top of the hearst. Um, then suddenly we see Gals and Anderson who are standing there, uh, Taker walks up to them, but they move, and there's a shed behind them, and suddenly this light explodes out of the shed, and Taker's standing there bewildered, and these druids come out. So the druids come out and circle around Undertaker, and they're, they're lovely druids because they, they attack Undertaker one by one. They don't gang up on him. And then following that, uh, after he disposes of these druids within seconds, uh, Gals and Anderson attack him, uh, but as soon as the Undertaker gets the upper hand, we see AJ Styles come with, I don't even know what it was, maybe a gravestone, and uh, smashes on the Undertaker's back, sort of gets the upper hand for a little bit. Um, he throws him into this uh, this dirt grave, but then as he goes up onto the tractor that has, I guess, a, it's it's scooped up with, with dirt, just before he can drop it, we see the Undertaker appear from behind AJ Styles, uh, it was a fantastic visual. They both brawl. They go on top of the shed. They brawl there. Undertaker throws Gals and Anderson off of it. He delivers a tombstone to Anderson. And then he grabs AJ Styles, chokeslams him off the shed, onto the floor, goes down, and then carries him, throws him into the grave, and buries him alive, getting back up onto the chopper, and leaving, and WrestleMania fades to black. I thought this was brilliant kenny I've, i'm sure you've been waiting to just talk about this tell me what you thought of this um i'm trying to think of the last time there was a match where i it was it was this much better than what i thought it was going to be like the undertaker had the best match he's had i would say this was better than the punk match to be honest at 29 i think this possibly is i think the last time he was having great matches was like the triple h series um, yeah. This was amazing. He was the gunslinger undertaker that he should have been the last few years. Um, he's not like you know, he's not coming out with playing living on a prayer every every week like he usually does. Yeah. Um, he's giving us something new. Um, the I mean, the test of who gave this was is Sandra, who we podcast with. She she liked it. She hates the Undertaker. Yeah, she absolutely because... hates the Undertaker, and, and I saw her tweet. Yeah, she she loved it because it was. It, it was it was fun. It was cinematic. It was very like Lucha Underground, Broken Universe esque, and uh, mm. uh, Jeremy Borash was actually involved in putting it together. Um, so 
I thought that the whole thing was just done so well. When Undertaker appeared behind AJ, when he'd been in the grave before, like Michael Myers, it was so good. Um, so, I mean, I just... I, I can't rave about it enough. I think it was, I think it was the best WrestleMania main event, as in going on last, since WrestleMania 30. And that was the last time there was a WrestleMania yeah. main event. Nothing since has come close to it. And what, so my question for you was going to be, because I, I knew that you'd love it as well. Do you think that Undertaker, he's wanted to have a match that he can retire on a good note? Should he retire after this, or does this open up him doing? more matches in this style to give himself a few more matches what would you prefer that he did i would i would absolutely love for the undertaker to to finish his career with with such a match however the legacy of the undertaker and i understand that the undertaker is incapable of having the matches that he used to maybe even like five years ago or or seven years ago uh but I feel like his his final match should be in front of a crowd because of the legacy of The Undertaker and the character. Uh, however, he thrives so much better in, in situations like this. But w- will there be another opportunity if this, if this coronavirus lasts for another year? Well, then, yeah, we have another opportunity to do this. But will we see The Undertaker in, in such a match again? I don't think so. Don't you think? To do... To- it's a massive risk, right? Because if he was to do, if he was to keep going and have another couple of uh, matches, the mm-hmm. risk there is he has to try and make them as good as as this was, and that's a massive risk to take. Ooh. So, yeah. uh, he's. I think he's got some thinking to do, because as much as I think he would love to have the uh, in an arena last match. I don't think anything that he could do in an arena would come close to how cool this was. Definitely not. At at his age, definitely not. I mean, even even with the the heavy editing that they were able to do for this match, uh, the when he you can just see simply when he raises his leg for a big boot, his leg. I mean, he struggles. His entire body turns, and and his his knee can't even extend completely. So the man is really old, and he should not be doing this at this age. And as you said, this this heavily favors him. This such such a style. But what what do you think? Do you think he should retire after this match? I think the answer is probably yes. I mean, there's part of me who would love to see maybe two or three more of these because they're so great. But yeah, it would, it would need to be so meticulously to detail. That I don't know if they would ever do it, so I think the safe bet would be, would be to just kind of go, I'm out. You know, this this is it. Um, mm-hmm. But that, it's rough. Like it's like if you if you do something and it's so great and people love it, the natural instinct is to do more. That's always the instinct. Yeah. But yeah, I can this be topped? I don't know. I it would need to be the right opponent. It would need to be the right situation. It would need to be. But then if you've got Borash, like, maybe you can make it happen. But, you know, from Metallica, the Metallica song to him coming on the motorbike, um, you know, shouting, you know, do you remember my wife's name now? Um, oh, that was so it, good. It was superb. It was it was a great... And I'm so glad that The Undertaker had a great match again. 
And some people, yes. always, some people, some people just there are some people who just are going to hate the match, and I get it. I'm not saying that it is like I, I would put, I would put this up over Okada and Omega any day of the week for me. Yes, yeah. But there's some people who would look at this and go, "This isn't a wrestling match. This is just like a a a, a horror a B movie." And I'm like, "Yeah, and that works for me. I'm more about the." The character, as you asked me at the beginning, it's like I'm more about the character and the presentation, and that's why this was so great for me. Whereas move, mm-hmm. move, 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 move doesn't do as much for me. And I, do, I think if they had had this match in Raymond James Stadium in Tampa tonight, as as was supposed to happen, I don't think it would have been. I, I know, um, I don't think it would have been half as good as this was. Yeah, I I have to agree with you. I don't think, and as as amazing of a performer as AJ Styles is, I don't think that uh, The Undertaker can still hold his own in, in such matches. Uh, and and again, AJ Styles would do, I guess, majority of the work. And uh, a lot of people are talking about The Undertaker, but I feel like AJ Styles deserves, you know, the, the equal amount of credit here because he played his part fantastically. And so did Gals and Anderson. They did everything really well. They, they were a, a unit that we haven't seen in a long time that, that works, you know, towards helping, uh, I guess, their, their leader, which is AJ Styles in this case. And I loved, I loved that they were, they were trying everything and anything to, to end The Undertaker, but they just could not. And the, the baby face prevailed as, as he so iconically does, you know, as he has done in the past. If you remember, you know, remember when Yokozuna put The Undertaker in that coffin and they set it on fire? And then the Undertaker was seen on the screen, so I mean, this is this is reminiscent of that, like how how iconic and epic it was, at least for me. So um, I I mean I absolutely love this uh, from from a production standpoint as well. It was so well produced, and the camera shots and the the I guess the feel of everything, how dark it was and gritty. I I felt exactly what they wanted me to feel, and I guess it's a testament to Borash and, and the entire production team that they, they did everything that they wanted to do. So, uh, and the, yeah. the, the, the big thing is that, you know, night one has ended with the undertaker and AJ styles smashing it. And mm-hmm. I think without that match, this didn't feel like a WrestleMania, but with that match, it, mm. it, it feels like a, it felt like WrestleMania. Um, that's a, that's a very good point. And now tonight, I think the firefly Funhouse is going to be what people, look to to be the night two version and i the bar is high so i hope they do it i will i will say that i am so looking forward to night two um i i'm looking forward to to the firefly funhouse to drew mcintyre to edge randy orton i mean there's there's a lot to look forward to kenny before we go what are you looking forward to the most on uh, the wrestlemania card tonight um, it's going to be joint between the Firefly Funhouse and Drew. Uh, Big, Drew. Big Drew. Big um, <laughs> uh, Drew. Try to win the title off Brock Lesnar. That's the two things. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's massive for a guy from Scotland who lived in Ayrshire to be in the main event at WrestleMania and to... And I know it's not in front of a crowd and stuff, but if you watch this Chronicle, you can see how much it means to him, so... I really hope yeah. that he wins, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Just, just before we got on this call, I just finished uh, the Chronicle, 
and uh, I mean, he was really bummed. He said, you know, it was supposed to be his, uh, I guess, um, redemption story. But he said that he's he's learned a far greater um, um, lesson from this entire, you know, I guess, uh, situation that he's in. Because obviously coming from a small town in Scotland to where he is today, people waiting for him outside for hours. I mean, it's it's a fantastic story. I really do want Drew McIntyre to win. Not because I have Scottish friends. No, because I think he deserves it. And uh, again, Edge for me, sentimental favorite for for the night oh yeah last um, man stand of course that's gonna be great yeah uh, you had a fantastic uh, interview with edge on uh, on the youtube page inside the ropes so youtube.com forward slash inside the ropes uh, check that out if you have it was it was really really good um, i think it, i think it still and, stands up even if you listen to it after wrestlemania i think it still stands up so yeah i i love i love how he explained you know certain things about how involved Heyman is and their stories and stuff and you know coming back I guess what privileges he has over the people now and what he can sort of, you know, teach them. So it's, it's really insightful, really, really insightful and really good interview, Kenny. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, uh, if, if you're to give a percentage of perfection to this, Kenny, well, how much would you give for night one? Oh, uh, it's difficult because like the main event, I would give a hundred percent. Like I just, I, I yeah. the best, but, um, I would give it, and most of this is because of the main event. I would give it like a seventy-two percent. Seventy-two. Because the the main event is a hundred, okay. and the other stuff that brought it down, um, isn't. I mean, it, 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 it was a fun enough show, and I thought the Sammy the Sammy Zayn Daniel Bryan match was good. The Kevin Owens Seth Rollins thing was really good. I liked the shake up of the Universal Title, and the main event was great. So yeah, seventy-two. What were you? I'm. I'm I'm very close to exactly to to what you are. I'm 65%. Um, again, for the same reasons, uh, I think Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins was really good. Uh, the the Sami Zayn, Daniel Bryan was quite decent. I liked the ladder match and uh, the main event was fucking beautiful. So yeah, it's 65% for me. Um, so uh, Kenny, you will be back tomorrow to to finish up WrestleMania night number two. And uh, we'll we'll do some questions tomorrow. And uh, sure, yeah, you can ask me anything you want, and I might answer it and I might not. <laughs> that's that's the beauty of Q and A. Yeah, and I am kind of bummed, Kenny, because this is the one time of the year we we have McDonald's together. So, and no one's really even doing any delivery now over here. We're on like big oh, time I know. lockdown. Insane. So. No McDonald's. So I'm kind of upset that we're not having our post WrestleMania McDonald's together, but we will next soon. year. LA or uh, yeah, LA plays. I don't. I don't know if SummerSlam's even going to happen this year, but fuck. Who knows? Uh, who knows? Who but knows? Uh, yeah, we hope you're safe. And Kenny, uh, you can catch Kenny at KennyMC1985 on Twitter and uh, at Inside underscore the Ropes on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, any more plugs, Kenny? There's a Patreon. You did the review with Sandra as well. Yeah, patreon.com forward slash inside the ropes where you can get bonus content. Um, you can find me on Grinder whenever I'm in your city. Uh, no, you yeah. can't. You can't. <laughs> I'm not yeah, let Steve Gunn listen to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll... I'm not on Grinder. Not anymore. Um, but um, anyway, no, I was, I was going to tell a Grinder something. I'm not going to do that. Anyway, um, so yeah, uh, check out whatever you want. Check out those things. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for listening and thanks for taking the time and. I hope you guys enjoyed WrestleMania Night One. I hope you enjoyed Night Two, and uh, let mm-hmm. me know. You know, if you 
agree or disagree with me, tweet me at KennyMC1985 and uh, be good to hear from you. Yeah, uh, you had a poll as well about the the main event, and I think that was a one sided sweep for the Boneyard match. So yeah, yeah, I don't know what the final number was, and I'll put it up now actually. Um, it, was, th- it was a ninety something percent the last time when I voted. So um, I it, it it ended at yeah ninety four percent loved it, six mm. percent uh, hated it. So six percent of people have no taste. That's fine. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, Kenny. Um, I will see you tomorrow night right here on the podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye. And like always, if you're still here, KJ out.